time to tune up the band. And girls just wanna have fun. For it is another episode of the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. I am Sam alongside Dan and Reardon as we continue our journey for the wacky world of professional wrestling. Uh, greetings and apologies, gentlemen. How are you no, doing? No, don't apologize. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Better than I've heard some people do before. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to do the whole thing of, you know, Cindy Lauper's uh, appearance on The Simpsons where she sings the National Anthem. <laughs> I was going to do that one and go, just a reminder for everybody that we we're indeed at a baseball game. Oh, okay. <laughs> but no, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's Mania Week, baby. Or as it you is. know, when this gets released, Mania Week is is come and gone. But no, Mania Week so far has been. Very, very enjoyable. Uh, if you've been keeping up with the, uh, well, I guess I'm going to broadly call the collective. <laughs> I don't know if they still even use that anymore. They do. They do. Um, yeah, there's been some pretty cool stuff been going on. We'll get into that more when we get into like the new segment and stuff. But yeah, there's some cool stuff going on. I do appreciate um, the fact that America got incredibly confused uh, to man like Doris coming out <laughs> and, and rapping. You see, they, the problem is Americans can't understand our way of doing things. And I know, like, part of that is also a GCW crowd. <laughs> because I know there are many people in that crowd that have never heard of either British drum and bass or, uh, grime. or grime in any, like, major capacity. Apparently, the GCW crowd were getting too big for the. Actually, no, that is a terrible reference to a Stormzy song. I that, I stopped myself. I stopped Good. myself because it was a terrible Good. reference. Because you Stormzy's. should have just been there and said that man like the Reese told them man shut up. Like that's just that was simple and effective. Exactly. But to be to be fair, unlike Sam, we are from proper London. <laughs> Sounds from fake London. <laughs> no, I was gonna say, I was gonna say the the London borough of Bromley is technically not from London. Oh God, yeah, that's right. It Bro, you have you don't, don't you don't you have don't you have the is it the BR postcode? Well, yes, yes, yes. I mean, I mean, I, mean, I can't. I technically I can't say anything because my postcode is SM, but. I mean, at this point now, I mean, I say that now, but I've moved away from that place, so I'm not going to tell that anyone. Is true. Where, I'm not going to tell anyone else where I live for fear of doxing <laughs> myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, should we move on? Uh, before we give you this, uh, no, 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 not all of that. No, I, 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 I almost forgot to say we give you this podcast thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and forever always pending other platforms. You know, guys, girls may just want to have fun, but here at the Sweet Chinwad podcast, we just want to be pending. And thus, we are always pending other platforms, and we always will be. <laughs> what he said. No, before we get yeah. on to our episode, chronicling the, 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 chronicling the career up to a certain point, of one of the greatest pop stars of all time, that is Cindy Lauper, it is time to visit Dan for this week's Wrestling News. Dun, 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 dun. Wrestling News. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, so let's get into it. Obviously, Mania Weekend is, is here, and by the time this goes out, we'll have gone. And it's yes. taking place in LA. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So obviously, lots of really, really cool stuff. Um, I guess quickly we'll just go over some of the major ones. Obviously, um, we have had uh, Bloodsport and Joey Janela's Spring Break, uh, both featuring Kota Ibushi. I don't know if you've seen the pictures of Joey Janela afterwards. He looks like he's about to die. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you get in the ring with one Kota Ibushi. Like, that's the thing. You really just, like, have to accept a certain level. <laughs> um, He's right, you know. He's... Um, yeah, um, and obviously it looks super, super cool. Haven't had a full chance to catch up with everything from um, Bloodsport, but I have heard there were some good matches. Bloodsport uh, was part... amazing. <laughs> yeah, my favourite part was... Um, uh, Speedball Mike Bailey screen capping his part of his match with um, Kota Ibushi and saying there's a lot that's gay about wrestling. Oh, yes, because uh, Kota Ibushi, <laughs> uh, for lack of a better, I guess the term is mounted Speedball Mike Bailey. <laughs> yeah, he was in, he was, I mean, he was, he was in God, but like also though, it just like, I mean, because it looks like they weren't wearing anything. That's ex- all I'll say. Exactly, exactly. And that's not, then there's, there's nothing wrong with that as a matter of fact, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, oh man, other things. Uh, if I have watched it, I bloody well enjoyed it. Um, all the matches were really good, but in in uh, but for me, the ones that stood out, the ones I'm still thinking about, uh, Mox versus Alex Coughlin. Oh, oh man, Alex Coughlin's awesome because he t- he sees you. Doesn't matter what weight you are, and go. You know what? I'm gonna fucking deadlift you. From a seated position, I'm going to suplex you from a seated position. <laughs> um, that's, that's just how he dashes, how he be doing things. And he's got one hell of a mustache. He does. It's great. I believe it adds to his power. <clears throat> like what, like Dan Seven? <laughs> yes. <laughs> his mustache. <laughs> and or Magnum PI. Exactly. Or Magnum TA, if you're a wrestling fan. <laughs> yeah, also true. <laughs> um... Ibushi versus Bailey was outstanding. So glad that we got that. Um, and Josh Barnett taking his first loss against his student Timothy Thatcher, which I'm very, which it was, it was really cool to see. It's again, it's just nice to see Thatcher seeming be being being in his element now. I can't wait for um, it to pass over to being Timothy Thatcher's blood sport and then to be held live in like Ipswich. <laughs> You know what? Yeah, I'll take that. But Timothy Thatcher's got to be Timothy Thatcher's got to be his, his English gimmick again. You know the 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 collective weekend live from Wigan, Warrington, and Wakefield. Uh, as Timothy Thatcher once said in his promos, "Why did I kick him in the books?" <laughs> Sorry, there's just a part of me that just refuses to believe that Timothy Thatcher is not actually British. He just <laughs> is. He just is yes. so visibly British. By way of Sacramento, California. You know this. I don't care. He he just he feels northern. <laughs> he's got that he's again, he's got that old school British look <clears throat> to him. That's the thing. I he mean, doesn't, he not just only doesn't, in gear. I don't think of Sacramento, California. <laughs> yeah. You think of you think of Wigan. <laughs> yes, I do think of Wigan when I think of Timothy Thatcher, and that's not an indictment on Wigan. Everything else is an indictment on Wigan. <laughs> oh. um, but yeah, um, lots of really really cool stuff. Because um, <clears throat> there was also before there's been like the world on Lucha um, and loads of really cool stuff there. Um, 
but yeah um obviously keep keep in touch with um everything that's going on with gcw said so man like Jarice going over there from the uk scene so good to see him branching out a bit more for the um, more uk really... guys getting opportunities over there for the culture was actually uh surprisingly surprisingly good i say surprisingly mostly because it didn't have much of a um of hype surrounding it as Bloodsport spring break did this year um I, I I popped huge because man like Darice was there getting his plaudits and getting his time in the spotlight. Very glad about that. Brian Keith uh, 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 and uh, and Two Cold Scorpio having a Dude, great Brian match. Brian Keith is awesome. Is awesome. Brian Keith. Need, more people need to know about Brian Keith. Again, we've always talked about bounty hunter or like guns for hire style wrestlers. The fact that Brian Keith basically just took. The man with no names uh, costume, and you see, no, you know what? I'm gonna take that and use it for myself. <laughs> yeah, is fucking good. Based. <laughs> good. <clears throat> um, uh, should we jump over to AEW quickly? Very quickly. Um, yeah. So we had a uh, Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor, um, which was really really cool. Um, some bold booking decisions, but not ones that I absolutely hate in any stretch. No, uh, very much enjoyed Supercard of Honor. Um, uh, again, uh, maybe it was just me. I think a lot of people have, by the time they've listened to this, have seen it. I, of course, I popped huge when I first when I heard the first notes of London Bridges falling down because that could only mean one person in Ring of Honor. It's Nigel. It's Nigel, and he's back home, and he's on the commentary desk, and I'm so very, very happy with that. Like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> Um, but just to quickly go over it, um, Joe defeated Mark Briscoe for the ROH TV Championship. I think a lot of people were very much expecting Mark for the feel good factor to win it, but the way yeah, this that, match flowed, that, that, that rubber match is going to go crazy. Though. It's going to go so crazy. I'm gonna, I love it. I'm going to love that match so much. Uh, El Hijo del Vikingo uh, defeated Com uh, Commander for the AAA Mega Championship. Really and a really good showcase of Lucha Libre. Just very happy with that one. Athena defeated Yuka Sakasaki uh, for the Women's Championship. Um, Tana defeated Daniel Garcia, and I think a really in a really really good match. Yeah, um, that's going to be really really big for Garcia, I think. Exactly, exactly. He knocked Tanahashi's front teeth out during the match as well. There's actually a picture. Shout out to the uh, to Mark Briscoe because there's a picture of Tana and Briscoe both smiling, not having any front teeth. Um, I send my thoughts out to Dante Martin who suffered a horrific, yeah, that was unfortunate, a horrific uh, leg break uh, during the Reach for the Sky ladder match. Um, uh, Dante, I think it was it it was a table spot, wasn't it? Yeah, and he's like gone through the table, and unfortunately his leg has kind of stuck with the table. And um, not so much as broken as it's facing the other way. And it was horrible because you could not only because it just sucked the energy out of the room immediately. Yeah, um, just I, everything I, went down, apparently. I feel so bad for Top Flight because Dante and Darius are so talented. Two talented dudes. Yeah, they've, they've been they've struck been by so terrible luck. By injuries. So struck down by um, injuries. And it's terrible, terrible luck um, from them. Uh, but I wish them the best. I wish Dante a speedy recovery from that. Uh, and I hope he does come back 100%. Yeah. Uh, hopefully very quickly. 
but hopefully we can get a little run for Darius like Dante had when uh, Darius got injured. Exactly, exactly. Katsuyori Shibata is pure wrestling <laughs> champion, and I love that. <laughs> That's... What I love about this match is it was framed around like Yuta just get like, getting too big for his boots and being like, "Yeah, I'll take on Shibata," and then Shibata and like just kills him. <laughs> you chose poorly. Yeah, that it's is... literally just it's literally just the you fucked up the match. <laughs> is this is this the is, is Shibata a, 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 like an early front runner for the fuck around and find out award? <laughs> it's an entirely real possibility. <laughs> And in the main event, uh, Claudio Castagnoli defeats Eddie Kingston for the uh, to retain the world championship. Great match. I don't think this is the end, not even by a long shot between these two. Oh, yeah. And I really, really am curious now as to where this goes. Um, shout out to Joseph as well uh, for being hired by uh, Ring of Honor to do a hype video. Uh, for this uh, rivalry to give it a lot Very more context cool. it was really cool to see Tony Khan I am here I would like to be employed <laughs> by Ring of Honor as well <laughs> <laughs> as, 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 as I said when Joseph said that he wrote, edited uh, and, and put this all together I was like I replied saying whimpers when I realised that Joseph really doesn't need me <laughs> <laughs> It's sad times. Sad God. times. No, it's no. I'm really happy for Joseph. I'm really happy with this card. I'm really curious to see where it goes now. It was a it yeah. was a great match, great kind of eleven years worth of build up for a rivalry that te- that really didn't finish, and we are far from finished with this one. This ain't the final. This is this is not the finale to this rivalry. If anything. This is we've just reached the middle point of this. Oh yeah, we've still got we've still got time to go. <laughs> but no, all in all, great little, uh, great card, honestly. And Ring of Honor, yeah. I'm 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 definitely <clears throat> surprised now that it seems that Ring of Honor, <laughs> Ring of Honor seems to be really good, much better than the primary company that Mister Khan is. <laughs> I said, as I as I said to you guys, right. This is actually the plan the whole time. <laughs> like, you cannot understand the level of thinking that Tony Khan is on. Um, anyway, um, we're just going to jump over quickly to Mania. We're going to do some quick sweeping predictions. Um, I would like to ask you guys, uh, what is your prediction for Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes? And what is your goofy-ass prediction for WrestleMania? Honest to goodness, if it isn't They've spent this whole time now uh, really building Cody up to be the ultimate face uh, of the company Um, through, you know, actually through kind of surprising amount of time because, of course, the unfortunate injury with the pectoral muscle uh, last year. Um, And then, of course, that build up to the Royal Rumble. And uh, of course, now just this story woven into uh, into the Sami Zayn part of the uh, with the bloodline and going into Mania, it would if it's not Cody, then who? Basically, yeah. at this point, now I can understand that maybe they would want to go for a thousand days with Roman, but it, that but that question lingers. If they don't pull the trigger now when 
and who. Because that's going to be a lot more difficult to figure out, I reckon, than it would yeah. be if, say, doing it at WrestleMania, which seems like the most logical thing to do for a, for a reign this long. Mm. And with Cody, unless you wait until next year and go for Dwayne. But at the same time, I think a lot of people are going to be exhausted by that time if you do that. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I feel like there's actually a section of wrestling fans which at this point have actually just turned on him. Turned on Dwayne, I mean. Mm. Because I know, at least from certain people I know, um, there's this like sense of belief that like Dwayne has like turned his back on wrestling because he didn't turn up for this year's Mania. Which means, what, is this 2003 all over again? <laughs> like, I guess... I don't know. I, I I've never really gotten the mindset behind it because, like, uh, to be fair, it was never actually promised. It was just a thing that people wanted to happen that hasn't happened. Mm, yeah. But I know that I know that I've I'm very different to these things, and I haven't also engaged with WWE in the same way as many other people for the last like I don't know four years. Mm. Um, if, I was going to say if anyone deserves to have a very long title reign coming out of uh, of WrestleMania, it definitely deserves to be Gunter. Now I'm gonna. I'd say I. I rec. I would like to see him retain, but I will very much understand if they put the strap on Sheamus as well. Yeah. See, this, 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 this is the thing, right? <clears throat> because in my mind, at this point, there's only two people it could be that are gonna get the title, and or two people it should be anyway. Hmm. Um, one is Cody Rhodes, hmm. and the other, the other is. Uh, I'm still gonna call him Volta. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <clears throat> it's going to be, yeah, either of those two, right? But at this point, even though they could easily just position um, Volta, Gunther um, at that place, they just haven't. And, and they've just let him become like the, the undefeated guy in the company, yet still haven't put him in main position yet. And I don't think anyone's ever going to have any qualms about whether or not he can beat someone because we know he can. <laughs> I think, and, like, and, and I'm very pleased to see in the year that he's had that the character. I think a lot of people were worried that the character of being a, a, a straight lace, of uh, being the straight laced ring general, would never have worked on the main roster. And I'm very pleasantly surprised to see, and very happy to see that it actually has worked, and it has worked exceedingly well for him. Yeah, it's worked fantastically. Um, <clears throat> just it's just for me to be seen when we get there. Yeah, I know what people are saying about like, the, oh, we want to do a thousand days. You want to do a thousand days, but like, <clears throat> I just feel like at that point you're just putting yourself into so much of a corner. Because because mm. like it, whoever 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 takes it off Roman at that point, like, what what are people going to expect? Exactly. I mean. The, the like wrestling... what? Like what? Are, what are the expectations here? And like, look, I I love long title reigns as much as the next person. Mm -hmm. But like, it's just it, I really think it is a question of like who, because we're still coming out of the point of this like Vince booking period. Yes. We might even still technically be in it. I was gonna um, say, I was gonna say da -da 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 -da. <laughs> with fucking shadow government Vince, um, looking like Ted Turner nowadays if you've seen the but, pictures but it's like we've come out of this period where there's only ever really been like one or two top guys and like the problem is is that like anyone else because if we might right now it's roman and cody mm -hmm. 
and then you've got Gunter. Um, but it's like, what? Who? Who else though? Now at this point, like, who else is going to be there in that in that position? Because the only other option is just hot shotting someone. If you hot shot someone to beat Roman, I know people are going to be mad about it. Yeah. Like, and what's the point in doing all this build for Cody having that stupid ass Hell in a Cell match? <laughs> and I know people are going to get mad at me for that one, so I don't care. Because, like, in theory, for Cody, that's the giant setback that WWE loves to put in for people. Yeah. He had to miss eight months because he wrestled off with a torn pectoral. Um, and it's like, you know, uh, the, it very much is a matter of like, at this point, where do you go? It's, it, it is, again, as I said, like it's, I think for them, it's going to be exceedingly difficult to try and figure that out rather than just going, you know what? Let's just make life easy on us. Just make, let's just have Cody win. Now, I was going to say, it's not going to affect their, it's not going to affect their business in any way, shape or form, if you ask me. In no, no. way, shape or, like, just like if Sammy won the title, I don't think it was ever going to disrupt their revenue or their core business. What's going to happen? You're going to come, you're going to come out of Mania with, with who should in theory be a white hot all-American baby face i think you'll be fine yeah yeah and besides i think roman deserves some time off to for this for, for to, to recuperate uh for three years of basically carrying the main event on his shoulders in a way carrying the company on his shoulders so yeah i mean the rumor is that he will be taking time off uh but this could be just you know the swizzerve that they always like to do to try and uh, get yeah. people off the scent of that sort of thing. Um, I don't know. Reader, what are your thoughts? I mean, I know they want to get the 1,000 days, but it's time. It's really time. And if they if they wanted to get, they should have done something else if they wanted to not have, like, the... If they, want, if they wanted Roman to get that, I, I really do think it's time. Speaking of time as well, I think it's time that Asuka actually deserves her moment in WrestleMania God, as well. I just give her Correct. the belt. I love, I love Bianca. I love Bianca Belair. You can easily do this again. Just I, give her the belt. Do you think Bianca's not going to be affected in any way, shape, no, or form? No, absolutely not. No, and Oscar's no, a legend, and everyone yeah. knows that she's a legend and deserves a moment like this. So it's. It makes sense, people. Now, as as we are Homo sapiens, are we looking yeah. forward to possibly the biggest match at WrestleMania this week? Oh weekend? yeah. Oh yeah. Hello, yes. Homo sapiens. Let's go. Let's go. I don't care if this is gonna last 30 seconds. I'm just gonna, there's a part of me that's unironically excited for watching big men slapping me. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely don't care. This could this could be a match with frankly negative work rate, and I would not care. <laughs> exactly. Just give exactly. me what I actually want this time. <laughs> like, like, because I swear to God, <laughs> I swear to God, if this is another Bobby Lashley Brock Lesnar match, I might hit a gasket. 
<laughs> like, like the thing is, right, is that I know this is generally like the opposite of matches that I that I like. Mm. But but also though, I it's the matter of I know that there is someone capable in this match. I wouldn't like, believe it, it was Omos. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, right? Like, like the thing is, right, is that like Brock Brock gets it. He mm. he gets it. Yes, and. I know that I know that he can do more in a match like this than, for example, when WWE be like, "Oh, it's the Undertaker versus the Great Carly," mm. right? There's there, there's more to be had here, and I don't care if this match goes like six minutes. I just want the two of them throwing bombs at each other, <laughs> and I want Brock Lesnar to do a shooting star press <laughs> of of the entrance way as well. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine Brock Lesnar turns into a work rate god against Omos? Could you imagine? He it, just, you, you just, you know, it's two, he thinks it's two thousand and one again, and he's he, he's he's in a dark match with Shelton Benjamin. He's, you know, what? I'm gonna crack it out one more time just for the laugh. <laughs> and he realizes, oh fuck, it's two thousand and three. But don't no. <laughs> Let's get it going, half Lesnar. Half <laughs> Lesnar. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think that we're done with the news now. Yeah, I'd say so. Either way, I'm very much looking forward to Mania. Mania's going to be quite good, if you ask me. I am going to actually stay up and watch it, believe it or not. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> hey, look, I've got nothing going for the weekend, so I might as well just do it. Anyway, recommendation corner. Reardon, what do you have for us this episode? You know, guys, I was going to recommend a lot of things, but... As of, as of this recording, yesterday was the Trends Day of Visibility. So, instead of what I was going to, which will never be revealed, ever, <laughs> I will be instead recommending the YouTuber Fantastic Mr. Fox. Mm. Fantastic Mr. Fox is a trans man who does great, great YouTube videos and also has... Probably the best, like, YouTube name I've ever heard. Like, the name <laughs> of the channel is just incredible. If nothing else, you got to give him a watch for that name alone. Let's go. <laughs> good, good choice there, sir. Good choice. And as well, as everyone knows, we are always, we are always here, allies and advocates, for all trans people are here and you everyone. already know you already know and i'm not and is this is this throwing shade to a certain moment that happened during mania weekend you bet your bottom dollar it is don't, don't like worry people, about it don't like people that are that silly anyway let us move on to our main portion of this episode and one we've been wanting to do for ages gentlemen it's time to talk about cindy lauper Hell Let's yeah. Go. Let's go. Okay, so first question is, is, is objectively uh, and subjectively, why is Cindy Lauper one of the greatest pop stars uh, ever? <laughs> oh, I mean, God, what a question. What a question. Uh, I, will say it I will say it like this. Um, she creates fun but interesting pop music, which is well-developed, well-rounded, and has a very good recognizable sound simple unlike Fair. most of her contemporaries as well may i add as well she fully embraced and rocked that different eccentric look 
And she, oh, she, absolutely. She she embraced it and she made it her own. And she looked awesome doing it as well. And that's that's that that's the way to be in life. We can all learn lessons from Cindy Lauper. Oh yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Now, shall we start at the beginning? As it's always a good place to start when we talk about these uh these <laughs> these retrospectives. Yep. Let's go. Born in June 1953, Cynthia Ann Stephanie Lauper Thornton. <laughs> to give her what her full neighbours right now. <laughs> what a name! <laughs> was born to a Catholic family in New York City. Born and raised in Brooklyn of, uh, as well, of all places. Her father was of Swiss-German descent and a direct descendant of Christian Lauper, a leader of the Swiss Peasant War of 1653. Now that's heritage right there. Yeah. So basically that's... what you're telling me is that Cindy Lauper has direct action in her blood. You damn you damn right. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> uh, her mother was of Italian descent as well. Not much I couldn't grab much of uh, of her mother's side of the family. Uh, but her siblings as well. Uh, she has a younger brother, uh named Butch. No, not Pete nice. <laughs> and Butch Butch si- Lauper. <laughs> and an old assistant Ellen growing up around nice. the Brooklyn and Queens area as a child she was obsessed with artists like the Beatles and Judy Garland and good age, combination not a bad combination at all age 12 though she would begin writing songs playing an acoustic guitar that was given to her by her sister and it was from a very early, from this point on to about, I would say, to until she started being more prolific in the music industry, she very much embraced a very vibrant, colourful expression to not only her clothing, but to also her hair. Yeah, but I feel like it makes sense, though, because, I mean, if you think about this, like, time period-wise... <clears throat> Like, this puts us, what, pretty firmly in the... Oh, 70s. Yeah. The 70s. Yeah, so... <clears throat> if you think just coming out of the... Si- like, coming out relatively shortly from the 60s, when, like, you know, the Beatles were seen as somewhat edgy. <laughs> and I know that sounds like a... That sounds like a crazy concept to people. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it? What was it that Jay? Uh, what Tolkien said when he once lived next door to them? Uh, it was un, un, uneligible, unintelligible um, racket. I think was the word that he used. I mean, well, I actually... mean that. Frankly, I think that's just a comment on them from being from Liverpool. But yeah, that is true. I mean, to um, be fair, like we could get into how the Beatles were actually quite radical. If you could go for it, but we won't do. That. Yeah, yeah, but um, like. If you think about it, if you think about it in the context of like coming out of that, coming from uh, the '60s and kind of broader social attitudes changing, yeah, but still being, you know, things were still firmly conservative. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Having 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 um, uh, a woman from Brooklyn dressed in vibrant clothing. <laughs> uh, would you believe, course of that time, this this unconventional. Uh, sort of uh, sense to her styling caused her to be relentlessly bullied to the point where they had uh, where she had stones thrown at her on a on a regular mm-hmm. basis. Jesus. 
you know that's kind of wild like considering that considering we know that during her time everyone is gonna be looking or it's go, it's basically gonna be a gradient of of cindy lauper yeah yeah it's like wow <laughs> so she would attend uh high school at a high school known as richmond hill high in queens but was uh, was event was later expelled. Although she did end up earning her GED, like many many great musicians out there. Ex- yep. <laughs> um, and of course, through this time, uh, during this time, uh, I should say, very early on, her mother and stepfather, uh, sorry, mother her father, I should say, divorced. Um, and uh, during this time, she was also in a very abusive household. Uh, with her stepfather. Um, but she would quickly, after high school, she would quickly leave home to escape that lifestyle um, and was actually just intending to kind of try and go to Canada to go to university to study art. Mm-hmm. Um, she eventually got to Canada, spent two weeks, and uh, when she got there, she ended up actually spending uh, two weeks wilderness hiking. Uh Nice. She spent two weeks in the woods of Canada, just trying to kind of like, as most do, I guess the word is wilderness sabbatical, where everyone just tries to just go out into the wilderness and, you know, just try and take stock of life and what to, where to go, what to do. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes people do like take two weeks. Sometimes people just take a, a day's walk. Sometimes people just get eaten by bears, which is why I would never do that. <laughs> See, the problem is, in this modern world, you can't just go out into the wilderness anymore. That <laughs> is true. Fucking we've, we've, we've had something great taken from us. I can't just disappear into the woods. Now I have people asking after me. Or Dick like, Cheney coming at you and shooting you for mistaking that's you That's also an entirely, that's an entirely real possibility as well. Bloody guys coming in saying stuff like, we love you, please come home. <laughs> where are you you haven't been at work you'll be facing a firing soon <laughs> <laughs> so she eventually landed it in vermont uh where she ended up taking i'm art- so sorry for her <laughs> <laughs> she would end up taking art classes at johnson state college uh would su- support herself working odd jobs wait uh, waiting jobs cleaning jobs you know the stuff that we all kind of tend to go through at this point of our lives. <laughs> and so through that, in the early 1970s, at this time, not only was she taking these art classes, but she was starting to get more and more into, you know, di- doubling down on music. At this time, it was more nothing more than a hobby, but she would end up t- uh, taking uh, lead vocalist duty for a lot of cover bands, uh mostly the, the some of these cover bands <laughs> were usually kind of taking covering songs uh her, her first one was covering songs from Janis Joplin a later band she was ending up covering songs from Bad Company and Led Zeppelin and Jefferson Airplane which by the way when I saw that I was like I, I definitely want to hear Cindy Lauper's <laughs> version of White Rabbit now <laughs> Let me also oh. just say, uh, Jefferson Airplane is one of, unironically, un- the greatest band names ever. <laughs> it is a great name. Also, it- also <laughs> I'm kind of like, as much as I, I like, I definitely want to hear Cindy Lauper say the lyrics to what I consider to be one of the single most phallic bands in history, Led Zeppelin. 
<laughs> you damn right. I'm sorry. Literally, every time, every time I'm listening to, listening to a whole lot of love, and I hear Robert Plant belting out how he wants to give give you every inch of his love. I want to slap him. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's that's not a metaphor. That doesn't count as a metaphor. <laughs> I'm sorry. It is if you don't think hard. <laughs> so there's no there's no there's um, no chance that we're going to be giving you a whole lot of love from way down inside, eh? <clears throat> like, no. Come on, that's just um, text. I will. I <laughs> I know writers who use subtext and they're all cowards. <laughs> yeah, it really is that. Um, I will say this. Um, I think a lot of people will not realize uh, how many popular musicians that uh, they know that started off as cover singers. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it is a very natural rite of passage to do that for a period of time. It is. That is true. That is true. It's how you, it's how you develop your musical chops, most people, by going to ba like Battle of the Bands and stuff and so just performing yeah. cover songs. I did my time when I was in high school. I did my time as well when I was in college. <laughs> We've all done it. We've all been there. We've, We've all, all been there. Been there. <laughs> I don't know why they wanted me as a bass player and backing vocalist, but they did. They, they did. Wanted, they, they wanted me as a bass player. I was a pretty solid bass player. It was fine. You know, I was the sort of bass player. So basically, play what you're saying is that we're all bass players. Basically, you know, I was the sort of bass player that only played the E string. Now that's unfathomably bass. It's okay, just play it in a weird rhythm, and then say that you're say that you're doing some like interesting metric stuff. I'm talking about actually... Scott. I'm talking about Scott Pilgrim levels of bass playing. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm, to I'm be sorry. fair, to be fair, Sam, yeah. that's basically my bass play. <laughs> that is it. Also, Dan, Dan, did you mean to do that pun? Did you mean to do that pun? The bass pun. Oh uh, <laughs> no! <laughs> but it came. But it obviously it came to me naturally, unlike playing bass. <laughs> <laughs> Where were we? Oh yeah, talking about a Cindy Lauper and cover bands. Yeah. Um, if, of course, as with most artists, when they do this, it gets to a point whilst, you know, you're on stage and you're developing that sort of thing and getting more confident, you start realising that actually I do want to make my own music and I'm not really happy singing fucking a whole lot of love for the upteach time. <laughs> <laughs> so she started to kind of distance herself away from cover bands, but it was one time during in 1977 she had to take a break from music altogether, where she severely damaged her vocal cords during, uh, during a gig and was told by doctors that, no, that's it, you're never going to sing again because you damaged them so much. But managed, but miraculously, she was able to regain her voice with the help of vocal cords vocal coaches, uh, in particular one vocal coach, a very famous vocal coach named Katie Agresta. Yeah, I'll be here and say that um, a good vocal coach is an essential for any person that is singing because um, I almost did damage to my voice um, when I was doing glass singing. Uh, started working with a vocal coach. Yeah, realised that um, the fact that my like I would like not be able to speak the next day was not normal. <laughs> um and yeah 
uh, please, if you are thinking of getting into singing and doing it with any kind of degree of consistency and regular performance, do get a vocal coach. It will help you it's learn am- proper technique. <laughs> it's amazing how even after all this, she was still <clears throat> able to maintain her, what was basically <clears throat> one of her unique selling points was that she had an incredibly powerful and distinctive four octave singing range. Which for anyone that doesn't do, doesn't sing, um, four four octaves is is pretty nutty. <laughs> yeah, that's she, it's she, not she, like it's not like absolute insanity, but like to be able to consistently do four octaves is like pretty. You, you, that kind of comes. That's kind of a thing that's only like natural. Yeah, that's like she's she's hitting nearly prime julie andrews territory and at the age of 69 how she's still able to do it is insane like like even at like absolute peak of like perfectly warmed up i can like just about clip free (laughs) (laughs) just about it's nuts it's actually nuts this brings us to 1978 and her Fairly first starts of success with a band known as Blue Angel. So, in 78, Cindy Lauper met saxophone player John Turi through her manager, Ted Tosenblatt. Turi and Lauper would then go to form a band through a mutual, through a mutual love of uh, similar music to form a band known as Blue Angel and would, re- and would record a demo tape the following year. And so sent that out to industry professionals, record labels, anyone that would actually give them the time of day to to listen to them. Uh, <laughs> talking of that story reminds me of that. Have you ever you, have you you've listened to Panchinko, haven't you, Dan? Yes. <laughs> it still blows my mind how twenty years goes by and you try being a musician, it doesn't work out, and then someone on a 4chan forum picks up your CD and suddenly you become an incredibly popular band twenty years later. <laughs> Honestly, though, like, especially now with, like, I'm not going to call it, like, the lost media world, but, like, this, like, world of trying to find stuff, because, like, I find it incredibly hilarious. Um, <clears throat> there's, uh, there's a really cool Midwest emo band called Camping in Alaska, mm. and <clears throat> they just blew up because one person that made like a midwest emo compilation put one of their tracks in it Mm. and it just drove like a bunch of traffic over to their staff (laughs) that they were like oh okay then we can yeah we can release some stuff (laughs) (laughs) and it it it, it's really really cool it's weird this kind of thing is out there happening especially the fact that it was happening back then as well exactly exactly so Back to where I was. After sending out all of these demo tapes to industry professionals, record labels, it ended up being on the desk for the manager of the Allman Brothers band, uh, Steve Masarski. He would hear the tape and re was taken aback by how powerful the lead vocalist's voice was. And he bought he he, he bought them in and struck a deal with Lauper and Turi for I think it was five thousand dollars. All right, well, you immediately know that I have to figure out how much that's worth now. And would end up becoming their manager. 
as well. So for rate of inflation, five thousand dollars in nineteen seventy-eight equates to how much nowadays, Dad? Uh, I'm looking it up right now. <clears throat> uh, that is twenty-three thousand dollars in so today's I'm, money. I was to say, relevant. Uh, still in today's day and age of music of the music industry, that's still kind of a uh, it's relatively. That's, um, that's... That's not a lot. It's relatively cheap. <clears throat> so, Lauper, during this time, Lauper would receive offers uh, as a solo artist, but wanted to hold out because she wanted, uh, because again, it's that thing of, it wasn't all about her. She wanted the band as well as her to be part of this deal because she didn't want to see seen as like, you know, the, the, the front and center person of this band. Doesn't this sound awfully familiar to another female vocalist in her band? Because <laughs> no, no matter no matter how much time goes by, all things stay the same. Because I saw this and went, this reminds me very much of Hayley Williams and Paramore. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the, the cycle repeats. <laughs> time is a flat circle and all that. Especially when it comes to bands. And female vocalists I've seen in bands. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, eventually, Blue Angel was signed to Polydor Records and would re only release one self-titled album in 1980. Now, upon seeing the artwork for this, Lauper absolutely hated it, but it, was, but, but it was at the 11th hour and they couldn't change it. Her words were, the cover makes me look like Big Bird. <laughs> now, I'm looking at it, and I gotta be honest... I don't quite see it, but I will say I don't really like the cover because it looks like a low-rent B-52s album. <laughs> it cut, it really does, doesn't it? Like like the like the very first like the very first two, but not in a good way. Mm. Yeah. So, unfortunately, due to a lot of factors, uh, not much for the record label putting out on marketing of them, not much in the way of radio and TV exposure, the album sold poorly. Um, as Lauper went, as Lauper joked one time, it didn't go gold or platinum; it went lead. <laughs> That's the correct mindset. Yep. <laughs> and the band shortly after the release of the album uh, broke up, um, but. Retroact retroactively, a lot of people have picked it back up and realised, actually, you know what? It's not actually that bad uh, an album. It's yeah, you get, you get a lot of that in, in the music industry about people like revisiting stuff or yeah. like stuff being a critical success but being a commercial failure. Exactly. Oh gosh, I can I can name so many albums that have kind of been, kind of been like chewed out and spat out at the time of oh, release. Absolutely. But retroactively, a lot of people adore the album. Yeah. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. Except fact, I... except for "Be Here Now" by Oasis, because that was shit in '97 and it's still shit now. <laughs> 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 Fucking take that, Oasis fans. Well, we're going for we're going for Oasis. Let's let's not because I won't stop for like. 50 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> we all know that Blur and Gorillas are a far better band. <laughs> I literally don't just don't start me. Not that I don't uh, not that I disagree, just the only the, on on, the, the only the only thing I will say on this is that potentially I as much as I don't I'm not the biggest fan of the Gallaghers at this point in time, I might dislike Alex James from Blur more. 
That's that's for true. That's uh, for true. But I, I I don't know yet. We'll have to find. I'll out. get back to you on that one, Chief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will I I will move on very quickly. <laughs> so. From this, from the subsequent of what happened in the breakup, what's known is that all of the members of Blue Angel had a massive falling out with Masaski, their manager, uh, that would end up firing him and subsequently they would end up breaking up. Um, as a retaliation move, a retaliatory move, uh, Masaski would later file an $80,000 lawsuit against them, which forced Lauper into bankruptcy. Jesus. Um... He's like in her twenties at this point. Mm-hmm. Wow, man! And after this, of course, um, Cindy, because I think it might have been a combination of this, the breakup, the stress of the suit, and the unsuc- and the the poor sales of the album, she would end up developing an inverted cyst in her vocal cord. Again, <laughs> one of the many reasons that a good vocal coach can save you. Yeah. Hmm. So after this, after the breakup, Lorpa would go back uh, working retail <clears throat> jobs at a part. She was um, working as a waitress at an IHOP, um, which uh, she would end up. Uh, well, she ended up having a, a quite a, I think it was head wait, uh, wait sorry. Yeah. Head hostess at, an, at this IHOP was demoted um, because uh, she wouldn't accept the manager's sexual advances, and then t- and then she told that manager to go and stick your job up your ass, for lack of a better term. Again, I would like to remind people that this is comparatively not that long ago in time. Nope. And so all I say is, fuck managers who do that shit. <laughs> fuck managers who do that shit, but also like just in general, fuck the. Uh, the food and service industry it's still incredibly rife it still happens i i um, I, I can't stand that i've i've been in that world uh it was only lasted about a month and a half i hated it it was horrible it was disgusting. yeah it sucks it I sucks did not, i did not know that i did not know that about you sam it was it was horrible it was demeaning the managers were horrible <laughs> i have once witnessed a, a a shift manager of mine change my clocking out time so I would be paid less and that was the moment oh. where I figured that I didn't want to yeah, be yeah, there the food and service industry is, is a mess and I will say if there are two things that are in abundance in the food and service industry is one harassment and bullying yep. uh, and two is drugs yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I know that one. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, you know that one. <laughs> I know that for sure. Man, all I say is the staff toilets at the place I worked with. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, you, you see that and then some. It is they, come with, they come with a business card preloaded in them. It is, a, it is Studio 54 out there. My God. <laughs> but... I will say to bring it in a more bring it back and bring it in a more kind of positive note. She would subsidize her time doing this, becoming a, a club singer uh, in uh, in local clubs around the area. Uh, music critics would end up kind of catching an eye of Lorper at the time where she was singing, but she but a lot of people in the industry also kept tabs on her because they saw that she had a lot of potential due to not only her look. Not only her singing range, but just her energy and the way she exuded herself, a, a boundless positivity and energy that she mm-hmm. kind of exuded on stage. So it was while singing in a local bar in New York that Lorpa would uh, meet 
a person that would quite literally change her life forever. One David Wolf, uh, who would then become her manager and made her uh, not only uh, able to do, uh, sing and go to clubs more uh, frequently and pursue this now again, but he was the one that brokered a deal with Portrait Records, which is a subsidiary of Epic Records. And this brings us to Cindy Lauper's very first album, See, She's So Unusual. It's banger a, album. Banger yeah, album. It is a banger album. Also, Sam, I thought that you were going, <laughs> I thought for a second you were going to say David Bowie, and I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. <laughs> you know what? I would have loved to have seen that. It would have been the amazing. David, David Bowie. Cindy Lauper feature that would have been so based. I'm kind of surprised that didn't happen, honestly. I I want to say there's probably like they probably like performed together yeah, at one point. I right? I imagine they they probably like they're probably on like they the same card to. at something. Right. I'm while you talk, I am going to look this up. Go for it, go for it. So let's talk a little bit about uh about the history and uh, the release of She's So Unusual. Um. It's October 19, uh, 1983, uh, working the whole through the, the whole year uh, with writers and producer Rick Chertoff, uh, taking place at the record plant in uh, New York City through May and August. This ended up pretty much out of the gate becoming a huge success. Not and not only just in the New York area, it would seep into America, eventually hitting the Billboard charts, peaking at number four, and reaching. And not only that, it hit it hit the world. It became a huge success globally, uh, reaching the top five in eight other countries at the same time, which is. It's pretty nuts to have that. I mean, it's that's nuts to have that sort of thing happen in music in general, regardless of what time or like era uh, you're in. To go from that to go immediately, kind of like solo album, boom, that thing's huge. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, like, real quick, I have found out the Cindy Lauper David Bowie link, and it is amazing. So obviously she um she performed during uh for David Bowie's tribute concert when he died, mm -hmm. right? But I don't I I haven't found anything that said that they worked together, but they did work on the same project. Can you guess what project that was? Just off the top of your head, what do you think? Ooh. No, it can't be the Goonies, could it? No, Dan. <laughs> What do you got, Dan? Hello. <laughs> Come on, think about it. Think about it. What What do you think that David Bowie and Cindy? What project did they work on the same project? Oh, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, ha I'm have a look. Sorry, I got interrupted by, I got interrupted by my dad. <laughs> <laughs> so, if it okay. isn't the goon, would it be something that was would would be within the same time period? No. Okay, I'm gonna describe this. So. <clears throat> It was actually in 2015. Ooh. Both of them worked on, worked and wrote songs for the SpongeBob SquarePants musical. I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> in in many in many ways, this is the way things should have been. <laughs> 
the that's... the only other thing that's the only thing, thing that's coming up is that um she performed at the david bowie memorial yeah. concert yeah that is it just those two things damn that's fucking i feel awesome. like they i feel like they could have dropped a they could have dropped a massive feature. Oh, a yeah, massive right. banging feature. It would have been incredible. Like, to... During the Let's Dance era? Oh, my God. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. <laughs> wait, wait, oh, oh, oh. I might have some. I might have a deep cut. Um, in 2016, um, Cindy Lauper did a cover version for Spotify sessions of David Bowie's Suffragette City. Oh, oh, okay. I'm going to be listening to that after this. That sounds like it would slap. <laughs> Actually, that does sound that's, really good. That's 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 the deep cut. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. it's no surprise that Lorpa was able to to kind of not only appeal to a very to a uh, to a popular mindset casual music listening crowd but also in a very rare move especially at that time was able to really become popular with punks and rock with like a punk with the punk rock scene and that was purely down to not only really good songwriting but her look like her image as well yeah. was, was really selling that I mean, because like, I mean, let's. I mean, look at the album cover for she, uh, "She's So Unusual." That is a punk if I've ever seen one. She's outside. She's at Coney Island, the boardwalk. Uh, honestly, just just looking as punk as punk could possibly be in the eighties. Yeah, and that's the yeah. way. That's the way things should be. Because like I like I say to people, punk is as much an image as it is a mindset. You damn right. <laughs> like it, like it's like it's an aesthetic, but it's also an idea. So, and I really do feel like Cindy Lauper did represent that, even if necessarily the things that she was producing don't fit into that mindset. Yeah. Dang. So, should we have? Do you want me to talk about a couple of little facts about this album uh, in particular? Uh, go ahead. I know yeah. the only thing I know about this album, I think specifically, is I believe you might you might you can you can G check me on this. Um, didn't it receive four Grammy nominations? I believe so. Memories. Um, I'm she, looking it up. It was six. She, yeah, six Grammy nominated. There you go. Yeah, yeah. She won Best New Artist in the '85 <laughs> Grammys, but also, uh, as Ridden said, received nominations for album, record. Best female pop uh, vocal performance, song and song of the year. Um, also won the Grammy for best album package as well. Which yeah, I but that's one of that's that's one of those Grammy awards that I, I feel like is just like arcane in concept. Exactly. I've never actually <laughs> understood like what goes into winning that. <laughs> People have tried to explain it to me, but every year I just kind of see it and I'm just like. Okay, you know what I have to do now, though, right? Hmm. See, see, I've just looked it I up. I have to, I have to see who else was nominated that year and who yeah. won that year. Oh, absolutely. And as an aside, um, I've just looked it up. Uh, Dark Side of the Moon was not night was not nominated in 1973, so it's incredibly invalid. <laughs> Wasn't even nominated. It, well, look, 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 we we look. We already know the Grammys are a sham. 
Yeah, but like it was the sick, like it was AC, AC, AC Lehman and Harvey Dinnerstein, the Sigwell Shoal Band who won. Yeah, because I, because I, I look right. I also I will say to anyone if you think, if you take the Grammy seriously, just remember that Macklemore won Best Rap Album in the year that To Pimp a Butterfly came out. That's all you need to know. <laughs> no, that's true. Um, okay, uh, Record of the Year for 1985 at the 27th Annual Grammy Awards uh, was uh, Tina Turner's "What's Love Got to Do with It." I I think that's a hmm. Like out, like out of the two, I'm not mad at Tina Turner winning that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yeah. Uh, album of the year was uh, Lionel Richie's "Can't Slow Down." That's a very '80s choice, but okay. Yeah. The the, the, the bold one in here though is mm. right. Theoretically, all the other nominees clear that album because you have obviously "She's So Unusual" by Cindy Lauper. Yeah. You have Purple Rain. Oh, shit. <laughs> you have Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen <laughs> and Tina Turner's Private Dancer. <laughs> um, um, wow. 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 In terms of, like, stacked album of the year categories, that's pretty up there. <laughs> it yeah. is just a weird like, isn't it? It's like... No, shit. And Lionel Richie got that L- one. Lionel Richie, cl- I mean, to be fair, right? Lionel Richie is potentially goaded. Like he's top tier. Yeah, like, but, I get but, that. But, but, I... but that album clearing Purple Rain seems crazy to me. That sounds. But then like... again, though, maybe Purple Rain is something that we've come to appreciate more afterwards than at the time. Mm. Maybe. Um, she won Best New Artist in a field that contained uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Also um, had hey. Sheila E., Corey Hart, and the Judds. Okay. Um, so I think that's... That's, that's fair. That's fair. That, like, that, fair. I think that's a good win. I that's think that's a, a good, good win. win. Like, I, I, like, I, like Frankie, I like Frankie Goes to Hollywood like mm. everyone else, but that was that, the 80s was their time, and then they just... Yeah, I um, get it. Have they got the nominees for this one? Yeah, they do. Uh, we were in 1985. <laughs> I'm having to go to another page. Um, 1985, uh, Tina Turner wins Best Pop Vocal Female Performance with What's Love Got to Do With It. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Cindy Lauper. Um, also, Sheila E., Sheena Easton, and uh, Denise Williams. Hmm. That, they, they got that right. They got that one right. Yeah, that, 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 that's fair. Uh, and... <laughs> I can't get all to the other. I can't get to all the other. Ones. Wait. Uh. Oh yeah. Best album package. Uh. Go down to 1985. <laughs> we have, obviously, Cindy Lauper winning for "She's So Un- Unusual," um, as designed by Janet Purr. Uh. We also had. Uh. Willie Nelson was nominated. That. Huh. Um, Bill Levy for Every Man Has a Woman, uh, John Waits No Breaks, and Andy Summers and Robert Fripp's Bewitched. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say Cindy Lauper clears because yeah, yeah. I have no mindset about any of those other albums. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, like if you look on the Bill Levy Every Man Has a Woman, that's a really, that's honestly a really good album cover. I really like it. Mm. 
So I, I, I would say very, very good, very good entry. Little bit, little bit off on the uh, <laughs> on the on the album pick. <laughs> so talking of the Grammys, of course, uh, of course, with the, with the awards and uh, winning so uh, winning so many applauses and being nominated, uh, we'll get back to that because there was a certain someone there actually being Cindy Lauper's security guard. But we'll be we'll we'll get we'll get back to that actually in a Sorry, moment. also I just looked up the record of the year field. You had Tina Turner, uh Bruce Springsteen, Dancing in the Dark, um, Chicago and Huey Lewis in the news. Oh yeah that that what that, that, what, what, that what is a field. That is nineteen eighties in a nutshell. <laughs> that, that is oh, that God. is a strong field. <laughs> so bits about the album. The lead <clears throat> <clears throat> the lead single to uh, to this album, of course, is Girls Just Wanna Have Fun. Banger. Which uh, Lauper co-wrote along with three other songs. Um, originally, when it was uh, presented to, um, to Lauper, it was originally written as a demo in, I want to say, oh, as it says here, 1979. And Lauper took a lot of umbrage with the lyrics because a lot of them, a lot of it was very misogynistic towards women. See, that's the thing, though. Like, you, you wonder about like what these songs were like at, at the first instance. Mm. <laughs> so she decided to, at the suggestion of of uh, her producer, she had her own suggestions and pretty much cut two thirds of the song out. And decided Good. to give it a, a strong, as she put it, a very strong feminist statement. It was basically her I anthem of female solidarity. I the effort of just rewriting two-thirds of a song. <laughs> and I love it because it ended up becoming... One, one of the of most it. iconic songs of the period. You yeah. damn also, right. I do wonder, I do wonder what those lyrics would have been. Like, to be what, like, what was in what, the 80s. Like, what was the proto-take? Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, the other part of this is they could have just been extremely normal '80s lyrics, but just Cindy Lauper was very far ahead of everyone else. Mm. That is also fair. Exactly. Exactly. So you cannot talk about how amazing this song is and how successful it became. Uh, I think it, it did hit number one in the Billboard charts as well. In that, in um, fairly sure it did in 1984. Uh, but you can't talk about the song without talking about the music video. Now, fun fact about this, right? This music video costs less than $35,000. I think that's equivalent to about $95,000 uh, in today's money. Again, insanely low for a like a, a studio-backed... <laughs> Yeah, and for, um, and it was look, mostly the reason why it was so low at cost is that a lot of a lot of mutuals and friends were volunteering to help, and also the people just crew, people just wanted in. They wanted free clout, and f and the crew even for free loaned out their video equipment. Oh wow! They they really wanted this to happen. Also, I'm just looking at it. Um, girls just want to have fun. And hit two in the UK singles chart. Mm-hmm. Okay, who's one? I, I'm not gonna have to look that up. <laughs> As you do that, though, it was through um her manager who would end. She would end up at this time also developing a relationship with 
David Wolfe was a big fan of professional wrestling. And through this, actually, David Wolfe had a couple of friends within the business. One of them being Captain Lou Albano. Billy, Billy, Billy. And there it is. Uh, it was quickly from that interaction and meeting that Lauper and Albano would actually become very fast friends. And it was from this, of course, that Lou Albano played the role of Sidney Lauper's father in the music video. <laughs> and the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> oh, okay. You guys are going to appreciate this one. Okay. Uh, at the peak in the UK singles charts, uh, Cindy Lauper's Girls Wanna Have Fun was number two. Number one was Relax by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Oh, okay, you know, man. Well, you know what? Fair. Yeah. Fair. Uh, which, 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 which at that point had been on the chart for 13 weeks. <laughs> yeah. Not necessarily yeah. in one, but but on um, on the charts. Damn. Like, you know what? You know what? I'm, I, I might be. I know this is like this is a respected on Cindy Lauper, but I cannot be mad at that at exactly. all. Exactly. Exactly. That I don't know. I to describe to people that won't know that song has a grip over people of a certain age in this country. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it. either yeah. for either for good reasons or bad reasons, <laughs> <laughs> depending on what music video you saw as well. But I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. Of course, it's a very well-known fact as well that Lauper's mother, Katrine, played herself in that music video as well. And a little fun, few fun facts about the making of this video. Uh, it was directed by famed director Ed Grills as well. Um, uh, ended up being filmed at the Lower East Side of Manhattan during the summer. Mm -hmm. And uh, the choreography in the music video was from a New York dance troupe called XXY, which featured dancers uh, Mary Ellen Strom, Cindy Lee, and Pierce Turner. Now, this ended up being, I think, one of the most circulated or on rotation, one of the most um, viewed music videos on MTV in 1983. Oh, it mm -hmm. would As well. I think only... Uh, Gosh, can you believe, right? Enter the chart, right, at, no at number 50 in the UK in January. And it only reached number two in February, and it only stayed there for one week. Something, it's just, something tells me that's just not right, you know? Something tells you it's not just right, but, like, honestly, though, the amount, the stuff that people were putting out at this time was absolutely ridiculous. Because also in that number two chart position, Radio Gaga's at four. <laughs> Yeah. Jesus Christ. I mean, Jump by Van Halen was right behind Girls Just Want to Have Fun as well. Like, like it, yes. it is, it is, it is insanity. Yeah, and like, hell, like, during this time, I think, um, yeah, I'm looking at, um, I'm looking at it, like, it, it, it was around at least until 1984, mm. just always bopping around. But I then got crashed into Nina's 99 Luftballons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, every, yeah, every, it, like, all, all the big hits were coming in thick and fast around, like, 83, 84. <laughs> like, giants were roaming the earth at, around this point. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so, wow. other singles that came out from uh, She's So Unusual. Uh, the second single would be Time After Time. Such a good, Again, such also, an amazing song. Such 
a banger. Honestly, if I'm gonna be, I'm, I'm gonna say like between the two, I think "Time After Time" is my favorite. I love that song so much. Yeah, "Time Time After Time" is is incredible. Such a good song. Such a good song. Uh, third single would be "Shape Up." Again, also would, also good. Which end up uh, reaching number three in the Hot 100, becoming her third consecutive uh, top five hit. Um. All Through the Night, which I believe is a cover of... Uh, I, it might be a cover? I don't want to... I'm not too sure. All I do know is that there are five covers in She Show Unusual. Um, I know there's a Prince cover in there. There is a Prince cover yeah. in there. I also believe that there is a cover... She didn't... She Yeah, she did the Bad Brain song. Um, what was the name of the song? Uh, I can't remember. Oh, God, it's 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 gone. Hang on, hang on. I'm going to be looking at this up. Because it almost it just makes so much sense that she would do a bad brain song. <laughs> what is it? Oh, that's gonna bug us. That's gonna bug us. <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. Money hang on. changes everything. That's the one. Oh, oh yeah. That's the one. No, amazing. Uh, like just this album flipping huge, huge, and it is a bloody. It is a hell of a bop. The songs that she uh, she wrote and 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 released. Uh, as well it's just go back to it man i went back to it and listened to it on spotify this week and i was just like you know what yeah this this album actually rocks (laughs) i'm and i'm allowed to say that (laughs) oh you absolutely oh by the way it was dub it was just dub range not bad brains ah my mistake um yeah just album rocks (laughs) so this brings us to, I guess we could talk about the Grammys and the success from that. Through her friendship with a lot of wrestlers in the industry and through her connections from her then manager and boyfriend, David Wolf, Cindy Lauper was accompanied at the 1985 Grammys with, by her security guard, Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan's there like <clears throat> don't worry Cindy I'm going to make sure you go over <laughs> I'm ready I'm, I'm ready now dude <laughs> I I really want I really think we were robbed from the from the greatest match of Hulk Hogan versus Bruce Springsteen <laughs> when it comes crashing down and it's bound in the USA <laughs> Honestly, honestly, you know, let me tell you something, brother. <laughs> I was born in the USA, and I will live the USA. <laughs> what like, you gonna do? <laughs> honestly, and you know what the worst part is that thinking about the actual lyrics of Born in the USA, Bruce Springsteen would absolutely be the heel during this time. Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Old Hogan would listen to it and be like, this is a pro-America and from brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and of course, through this connection with Lou Albano, Hulk Hogan, this would only become the well. This would be the catalyst for the famed rock and wrestling connection, which would subsequently culminate from 1983 to 1985. And it was during this time that Lauper and David Wolf would actually become quite the ambassadors for the for professional wrestling. It was them. It was David Wolf that actually brokered a deal. With uh, with NTV and WWF to show a, sp- a special WWF show on MTV. 
that's the influence. Yeah. And it was from that, from the rock and wrestling connection, of course, this is what the show would be known as on MTV, that would broker more popularity with the WWF and would eventually allow them to broker and strike a unique opportunity. On closed circuit television, and a very new concept for television known as pay-per-view, Vince McMahon, of course, would create WrestleMania in 1985. And as everyone knows, he gambled quite a significant amount to make sure that there was uh, there was enough buzz surrounding this event. And he packed it wall to wall with a lot of well, known names within America and pop culture. Uh, God, mm-hmm. WD, like Muhammad Ali, Liberace, <laughs> freaking Mr. T, and of course front and center, and the person who really should not go ignored through through the names through all of the names that are there, Cindy Lauper. You know oh hell yeah! You know what's hilarious about that is that you can do a direct domino effect of of Cindy Lauper launches a music video and The Undertaker's Street. <laughs> this is actually a combo episode. Yeah. See, this is the thing. I the thing I love about this is you can like extend the domino effect so far if you want to, because then like technically, Cindy Lauper. <clears throat> Cindy Lauper releasing Girls Just Want to Have Fun is then also technically responsible for the downfall of WCW. Oh my god, you're right. <laughs> but then also, but then also in the other end of things, um Cindy Lauper launching her music career is then also directly related to a domino effect of Bad Bunny <laughs> appearing oh at WrestleMania. <laughs> Shoot, bro, like, you're all right. of these, all of these things follow through in their in their own sequence. Go I'm trying to, to think that. about. I'm trying to think about what the most ridiculous one is, but I think the most ridiculous one that I can that I can possibly make is um, Cindy Lauper launching her music career is technically through through a very long and extended domino effect responsible for AEW. <laughs> oh my god you're right that it is kind all of be- see it all begins with cindy lawler <laughs> i was i was like, thinking like more- obvi- was- obviously that like excludes a whole bunch of stuff <laughs> yeah but honestly i'm my one the thing that came to mind is that cindy lawper by by the, the 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 launch of time, invent Suplex City. <laughs> Do you mean she's responsible for B- Bork Laser? Absolutely, absolutely. I'll give that to Cindy Damn. Lauper. Damn, damn, son. Cindy Lauper is technically responsible for Kofi Mania. Absolutely. She she she's goated. She's she's directly <laughs> responsible for Daniel Bryan's success at WrestleMania. Um, Cindy Lauper <laughs> is technically responsible. Yeah, no, you know what? This can actually work. Cindy Lauper is technically responsible for AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura at Wrestle Kingdom. It's she- <laughs> It's true. It's true. (laughs) Through the domino effect. (laughs) Cindy Lauper, the godmother of tables, ladders, and chairs. Yeah. Ah, no wonder where Jeff Hardy stole his look from. Because WrestleMania 17 doesn't happen without WrestleMania 1. 
Yeah. It's true. Yeah. You know what's the funniest thing, right? I've not watched WrestleMania in a very, very long time. Trust me, I'm not that old. I didn't watch it day off. Uh, <laughs> but what I, I, but I do remember vividly that Cindy Lauper was the most sympathetic baby face, I think, in the entire event. Mostly because yeah. in the weeks leading up to it, she had her head kicked in by Roddy Piper. <laughs> of course, Roddy Piper did that. Of course, you know what I, you know what I recall because I have actually gone back and watched some of the stuff. Cindy Lauper's a pretty good promo act. She really is. I mean, she was she, Wendy Richards' manager in this. She moment. does a solid. She does a solid promo during this time. We are long overdue the Cindy Lauper manager run. <laughs> Honestly, you damn right. I mean, it makes sense. It, it makes sense from it from my perspective. Okay, that the person who played her in Young Rock, Cindy Lauper, should be Becky Lynch's manager. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> Stick Cindy Lauper with Becky and Seth. God, that would be incredible. That would be. That actually would be awesome. <laughs> right. With all this, basically, we can track to the point where we say that Cindy Lauper is directly responsible for the for the success that WWF and WWE has had since 1985. We joke, but I say this. A lot of people were factoring into the success of the golden age of the WWF. But I truly believe that her popularity during this time and her crossover appeal to everyone, I don't think WWF would be in the place it was if it were not for Cindy Lauper being there. I mean, you got to think, right? In... Because if we're talking 85, so 85 is the year she wins Best New Artist at the Grammys, and obviously the Grammys are whatever. Hmm. But this is a time when the Grammys apparently seem to matter. <laughs> um, so she's just come off Best New Artist. She's released two songs. She's released an album which has got critical acclaim and commercial success. She's probably one of the most played people on MTV at the time. Hmm. Yep. Like that stand that stands for something. Oh yeah, I I think we, I like obviously you can be there and say that you know what's the craziest um, thing. Like like you could like you can be there and say like oh she's not obviously responsible for everything that's happened. Yeah, but yeah. like in terms of actually making sure WrestleMania one was a success, actually them getting in Cindy Lauper actually probably played a really big part. Yeah, because she was like white hot at this time. And would like, you believe, right, two months after, talking about just how successful and how, like, on top of pop culture she was, right, two months later, The Goonies Are Good Enough would be released. And quite honestly, probably is... At the, in 1985, like, WrestleMania, The Goonies Are Good Enough, two cultural touchstones of the 1980s. That's yeah. nuts! That's... <laughs> Her, her impact is wild as hell. So just, it just is. Mm, so with that, I guess we should talk about. I guess let's end it on the Goonies are good enough. So from the success of not only girls just want to have fun, and of course with WrestleMania, it only seemed logical and natural with the imminent release of the Goonies in theaters to, of course, 
promote the movie and bring out a, a brand new music video for the uh, for the subsequent title song the goonies are good enough but i think in such a based move not only did cindy do one music video she did two music videos for the goonies are good enough the correct choice a part one and part two for the for the music video because it had a subsequent story that followed the general plot of the Goonies, but if it were Cindy as a Goonie and the the bailiffs being, if memory serves me correct, Roddy Piper, the Iron Sheik, Nikolai Volkov, and Bobby Heenan. I love. The idea. Oh, uh, just... wait! No, 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 no. If no, no, no. I believe, also, I believe it was Freddie Blassie, not Bobby Heenan. My mistake. Which is even just... better, actually, when you think about it. I would love it if they just put they just put Andre in the Goonies anyway. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Guess who this was also directed by? Um. Hmm. Uh. I don't know. Steven Spielberg. Oh, of course, of course. Fuck off, he didn't. He also made a cameo appearance in the in the in the music video as well to split part one and part two, as kind of like a what will happen in the next video. What do you think, Steve? <laughs> they, they really just they really were just there and just said, "Nah, let's just throw everything at it." Oh, also the Goonies cast. The, the Goonies themselves were actually also in this. Yeah, but I feel like that, well. that, that 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 tracks. That makes sense. That's, that's a given. But uh, no, it was. Uh, <laughs> it's just insane. This is just like, I love this these music these two music videos so much because it's just like, if you want the eighties condensed in about six <laughs> minutes, watch the music video for the Goonies. All good enough. <laughs> Because that basically is everything that the nineteen eighties was. I mean, I talked to my uh, my 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 oldest brother, who of course was born in nineteen eighty two. At this time, young young kid was an absolute massive fan of the Goonies and WWF, and he remembers this very fondly as the kind of his oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. one of his first memories of being like, I like both of these things. I love wrestling. I was absolutely obsessed with this music video as well as I was with I'm, the Goonies. I'm I'm genuinely convinced that my my oldest brother has seen the Goonies like a hundred times. I Possibly even more. It's it's amazing to think that we if, if anyone has siblings from the nineteen eighties, the one constant they all share is that they had the VHS tape to the Goonies and after it finished they would rewind it and watch it again straight up. <laughs> oh yeah. But let's but yeah, I think we can safely say, with all that being said, I think we're just gonna ramble for a bit, is that um Cindy Lauper's importance for the the for the for the mainstream success of professional wrestling should not be understated. And now, with thank goodness, with Andy Kaufman finally being uh, inducted, the very first of a few celebrities that rightfully should be inducted into a wrestling hall of fame. I think it's about damn time that Cindy Lauper should be inducted into the hall. Correct. Really and truly, it's been one of the like. If you're gonna have a celebrity wing. Like, you might as well have the person. <laughs> yeah, the person who actually was the celebrity. How is how is Cindy Lauper not been in? How is Liberace not in the flipping celebrity wing of the Hall of Fame? 
It's I really because most people believe that Liberace didn't actually exist. Mm. You know that's fair. I consider he, he's he's like Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> he he's just like a mythological figure at this point. I I I'm only saying this because this is a whole thing from me personally, but. Growing up watching a bunch of American media, um, they'd mentioned Liberace, and I had no idea who he was, and I just kind of assumed that he was just like a character yeah. that was popular in the US. I found out he was a person, and I was like, nah, no way, this is a lie. <laughs> it's crazy, like, uh, it's like looking at the, the celebrity wing. I could look at a few people and think to myself, you know what, there's a couple of people that do deserve to be in there, one of them being Ozzy Osbourne. I think Farrow yeah, deserves like, to be in there. Like that—that's fair. Snoop Dogg deserves to be in Again, there. Snoop, Snoop Dogg really does deserve to be there. Snoop's always, been... always, always repped wrestling. Arnold Schwarzenegger definitely deserves Again, to be in there. Makes sense. But Bob Uecker, I would say, definitely deserves to be in there. If not for the the most famous moment of Andre choking him out at WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah. But Drew Carey being in there. Well, that's just because Royal Rumble, what was it, 2000? 2001. 2001. Here's the thing. Is Fred Durst in the Hall of Fame? Oh, Fred God. Durst deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> because I'm, 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 I'm just thinking about it. I'm thinking about, like, I, I feel like that would be appropriate for, like, the late Attitude Era, No. I tell you what, for our next April Fool's episode next year, we'll do one on Fred Durst. Cool, you want me to lead that episode then? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, um, I, I, again, I think we can we could go on forever, and I'm I'm happy to go on forever about what the importance of Cindy Lauper and why she deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, and it's absolutely criminal she keeps getting snubbed. But I think oh, yeah. we think we'll be here for a very long time. Let's be honest. Missed. Yep. But all that's left to say, then I guess, with the, just ending on that, is that uh, is that this is uh, I I've actually quite enjoyed this one. Oh, and April Fools, like oh, obviously April Fools. I think we were going to talk about wrestling. Come on. Listen, listen. This is just part one. You haven't got to my one-hour tonic analysis of every single song on She's So Unusual yet. <laughs> I mean, hell, I'm down. Let's go for it. <laughs> Hello, it's Dantony Sweet Chin Wagyu. Dantony Chin Tano here. <laughs> the internet's busiest music nerd. <laughs> the internet's busiest music wrestling nerd. <laughs> I'm not going to do an impression of Anthony Fantano. I've got to stop it. I've got to stop you as well, Dan. <laughs> yes, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's about where we're going to end this episode, I reckon. I don't think there's really much more to to kind of say, really. <laughs> nope. Um, alrighty, well. So, our next episode... We actually don't know at the moment. I'm thinking maybe we should take maybe we should take a week's break. Maybe what do you think, chaps? Maybe kind of recuperate, let everyone get over WrestleMania and come back strong. Sounds good to me. Sounds like an idea to me. I would. We'll be back. We will. And we'll be even stronger and better. Yeah, yeah. Because we also not only that, but I think we've got to also kind of figure out what we're doing for the rest of the year. Don't let them behind the curtain. (laughs) Oh, sorry, kayfabe, kayfabe, kayfabe. Kayfabe, man. You know, <laughs> but, but no, don't worry. Yeah, don't I, worry. I reckon. Yeah, we'll be back. 
We'll be back yeah. for sure. But all that remains for me to be to, to be said is that I know this is out on Monday, but still, listen that. Look, let's all enjoy WrestleMania. Let's see what happens. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to stay up and watch both nights. I'll. I hopefully you two will enjoy it and we can nerd out and chat mm-hmm. about it over the weekend. But all that's left for me to say, I've been Sam, this has been Dan and Reardon, and you've been listening to the Sweet Chin Wag podcast. As always, we will see you on the next one. Bye, everybody. Time after you can look and you find me. Time after time.